Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of the Mendoza Line. My name, as usual, is Cam, and I'm joined by a new host this week. His name is Guillermo Dos Santos. Como estas, Guillermo? Uh, bien, y tú? I don't really actually speak Spanish, but I was just going to go for it. I, you totally caught me off guard there, but I was ready to go. <laughs> it was coming back. I'm just, yeah, this is just Nick, everyone. We haven't changed lineups yet. Hello, everybody. Cam, how are you? Uh, I am well, uh, you know. I'm glad to be discussing baseball. I'm glad that uh, we get to relax and just talk about something that we enjoy. That's that's the biggest enjoyment of this, is that we get to, you know, with the wonders of the internet, sit in our respective comfy chairs Half a and country talk. away. Exactly. A full a full time zone away, like yeah. Or Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm still coming off that high of having the legend Gary Coates on our last episode. I feel like that did a lot for our street cred. Well, I honestly when when he dropped baseball playing Jesse, I was like, We're never gonna reach that pinnacle again. Like we we have we have peaked and we are now coming down the backside of the mountain. There's definitely a level of baseball history, uh, charisma, just overall wisdom in that episode that I, I think we'll be lacking from here on out. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever, that might be, that might have been the pinnacle of the Mendoza line podcast, but we'll see. (laughs) We have a, you know, some big shoes to fill now that it's just us two again, us two millennials. Yeah, I guess we're those, aren't we? But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Felt like we covered a lot of good stuff, and look at us—we're we're at the All Star break. We uh, over halfway through our our first baseball season at Mendoza Line. It it always goes too fast. It does goes much too fast, but hey, we still have lots to discuss. So why don't we? jump right in to our first news item nick what do we got yeah part of the all-star game festivities that are coming up this 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 weekend was actually today the future game was this evening Uh, i think it's currently going on probably finishing up pretty soon so this uh this team is compiled by you know uh baseball people and it's the some of the more prominent prospects across the minor leagues. Uh, not Definitely not all of them. Some don't make it for various reasons, whether they had just gotten caught up to the majors or their teams want them to stay on track or whatever. But it's, it's a good sample of uh, some of the top prospects, and many of which you'll see in the majors in the next few years because these are guys that have been in the minors, have, have proved themselves, you know, Maybe not all of them, for whatever reason, an injury might come up. But most of these guys, uh, you'll see. So we, obviously, if you're listening to this, it's too late to have watched the game. But we'll we'll post the roster in the, the show notes and kind of see some of the guys that participated in that. So um, just want to touch on a, maybe a few of the guys that are that are playing in the game that I, uh, as someone who enjoys talking prospects guys that I am really impressed by and I think you'll see make an impact in the majors pretty soon. 
Um, the first guy, he uh, he's hitting hitting leadoff for the U.S. the U.S. team. the The two teams are U.S. and the World. Um, so obviously, guys com- comprised of the U.S. team were born um, in the U.S. and the World is um, everyone else. So the in the U.S. the the guy that a lot of people are talking about, he's actually drafted last year, but he's already in Double A in the Red Sox system. <laughs> Making a rapid ascent, hitting at every stop of the minors. Andrew Benintendi. Um, he actually was a college player of the year last year. He, he's actually he's he's interesting because he's he's not a very big guy. He's pretty short. Um, when you look at him, probably don't get a sense that he's going to hit for a ton of power. But the guy just hits and um, has continued to hit even going up, facing more advanced pitching. I think that's a guy. I don't know if you'll see him at the end of this year, just because the Red Sox are loaded in the outfield already, uh, as you'll see as we talk about the All Star team coming up. But uh, I think next year for sure you'll you'll begin to see him. Well, I sure hope so because he's on my fantasy team. So yeah, <laughs> and he's he's a guy that has a very little chance of at, lo- at least not being a a good major league hitter. I don't know if he's you know, he may not hit for 30 home runs or anything crazy like that, but when you have sustained the success that he has the past couple of years and, you know, even this year, doing it against guys that are, you know, older than him, the double A is the, the real proving ground. If you can succeed in double A, a lot of times they'll say that you can, you know, that's a major leaguer. So... Really? That seems interesting to me. I never would have considered that. Yeah, so, you know, <clears throat> you have your multiple levels of minor leagues. You got, you know, your rookie ball, which is, you know, you got so many. You got a lot of raw players, obviously, coming out of high school. And uh, a lot of times those are the guys that were just drafted or international prospects that have been playing for a couple of years. Um, and then your your single A, there's two different levels, A and A advanced, um, which you'll you know some of. The and guys, for the record, A advanced is not double A, right? That's not right. at all confusing. It's a, it's a totally <laughs> it's not it's a totally different level. Um, so yeah, so you got you know single A is it's it's really like you got to think about it. This is this is why it's so hard to get to the majors. So. You know, you get drafted. If you get drafted at a high school, you go to, you go to like the the lowest of levels, which is the Gulf Coast League in Florida or the Arizona League in Arizona. So the teams are, it's like pretty much split evenly between half the major league teams are in, in both. And so those are your high school guys or guys that, you know, international guys that have been playing, you know, 17, 18 years old. Um, and then the, the, step above that is at rookie advanced so that's more the guys that kind of prove themselves as as high schoolers or the or the college guys kind of come in and a lot of times those college that's what the reds drafted nixon zell this year and he went to the rookie level for like two weeks is basically a warm-up and he's already in a ball so you know you basically the cream of the crop there goes to a ball so you got to you know, if you're a high schooler, you got to go through two whole levels and succeed just to get to the lowest level of A ball. And um, 
yeah, you're ta- you're at that point you're talking all those guys are you know, they're professionals obviously, but they're guys that have in addition have made it through two levels of uh, pro ball already. Guys that have been offered contracts who thinks you can be professional baseball players, you've out- outperformed them already. And then you got to go through another level of A advanced. Um and and that's kind of where you start to get to see some of the older players who maybe have been around haven't risen as as maybe high but they're you know they still have some potential so that you got you got guys that have been playing in pro ball for three four years at that point um and then double a that's you know a lot of people say that's the biggest jump because you know through that proving ground of of single a you got all those guys that are have all that experience um double a is you know a whole nother level of you know, you got guys that are in their mid twenties who maybe have never never risen above that level, but again, still have just that little bit of potential, or they just really want to play. You know, they're hanging on to that dream, but um, that's uh, a lot of times what they'll say is, you know, sometimes major leaguers will get called up from Double A straight from there, and they'll they'll skip Triple A because you know Triple A is more. You know those really fringy guys who you know it's it's you kind of shuttle them up and down, but you don't necessarily want to do that to the top prospects. So they kind of keep them in Double A until they prove themselves, and then it's once you get promoted from Double A, it's at any point you can get called up. Obviously, so as I've learned, yeah, it's it's a long arduous process um, just to make it to to Single A and Double A, and then you have to succeed at against the high level competition there and then the, obviously the biggest jump of all is to the majors that's the highest level in the world so yeah you got all these guys that are this is the cream of the crop that are a lot of them are playing in in double or triple a you have a few of the more special you know higher level prospects that are maybe still in a advanced but you're not getting anybody below that in these games so the the other guy I want to talk about, Alex Bregman, he was actually the number two overall pick last year by the Astros, and he is already up in Triple A. He I think he's the only guy from last year that's uh, made it up to to Triple A already. But he has just been mashing the ball. He's I think he's been in Triple A for six or seven games, and he has three or four home runs. And before we started this podcast, I know he was three for three in the the futures game. He had single doubled and tripled and all he needed was a home run for the cycle so I think they're going to give him one more bat so if he cycled in the futures game that'd be pretty impressive so that's a good problem for the Astros to have because they don't really they've already got uh, a lot of talent on the major league team and they they just called up one of their other top prospects a couple weeks ago AJ Reed who's I think is also on your fantasy team so they have another top prospect ready, but they don't really have a, a spot to play him yet. Yeah, AJ, AJ Reed is on my team, and the uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The the all telling not active tag has been removed from his uh, <laughs> nameplate on my team, but he uh, he's not quite an everyday player just yet. But he's much closer than he was at the beginning of the year. So yeah, yeah, the the Astros are just. That's why I mean you thought they were going to be so good this year, right? Is they just have so much young talent, and maybe it's it's the young part that's the issue. Is it's just taking them 
some time to gel because they certainly have bounced back from their atrocious start. But I mean, you yeah, just look at their thick of it. Yeah, I would love. I mean, it would be incredible if they wound up getting a wild card spot just based on how they started the season. I mean, that would just be such a telling um, metric of, of what this team is about and what a, what a way for a group of young guys to rally. And I know there's veterans on the team too, but there's a ton of young talent. Yeah. And if they, could, if they could pull that off early on in their careers, that could be a um, catalyzing um, moment for those guys to really like rally behind. Like, you know what? We can do this. We started out terrible, and look at us now. Yeah. We're in the, and once you make the playoffs, anything goes. Honestly, the, I think the only thing holding them back is pitching. Keiko has taken a bit of a step back from his Cy Young year last year. He's much more, much more normal and hittable. And you just outside of that, you don't have a. You've got just a bunch of guys. So I think ultimately that may be what holds them back. You got to have pretty dominant starting pitching to do much in the playoffs but I guess they I mean they could take the course of just trying to mash their way uh, through the playoffs with you know if, which is if, if these young guys if it clicks for them that could definitely happen I mean I think well let's let's look at, look at it this way they're only five and a half back in the division and for the wild card they're only two games out so do you think that they'll ship some prospects for a pitcher to try and get them into the playoffs this year? I think in an ideal world, yes. But the problem is the starting pitching market this year is pretty barren. Um, there's not a ton available right now. And this, the ones that are available because there's not, the supply is so low that the prices are pretty outrageous um i mean we kind of did that that so tra- it's, a, it's a seller's market is what tra- you're yeah exactly the the uh the trade piece we talked about um yeah you know you know looking through that list you the there's a lot of position players on there you know jay bruce was number one you don't have that you don't have a johnny cueto you don't have a david price this year like you did last year there's nobody you know, approaching the end of their deal that guys or that teams would want to trade. You know, guys even like, I think coming into the year, Sonny Gray from the A's would have been mm-hmm. uh, a pretty good candidate, but he's really struggled this year. He's, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know as of recently, his ERA and whip were, you know, in the upper fours, low fives, and, you know, not at a, not where he's been, and he's struggled with some injuries, so. There's no, I think the only guy maybe um, putting up those type of numbers that might even be a, have a chance of being available is Julio Tehran from the Braves. And I just heard recently that um, they told him that he wasn't going anywhere because he's still, I mean, he's still so young and he's been so dominant that, you know, a, guy, a team like the Braves with as bad as they've been, you know, you need some, you need some veteran pitchers. Uh, to be pitching for you so so yeah I mean I think in an ideal world they'll want to and there could be there could be a surprise for sure of a team that a young starter maybe isn't perceived to be available suddenly becomes available at the right price but with the seller's market with the prices the way they are no team is going to sell their 
their you know prized farm for you know yeah so a, what, a you're, what you're piece. saying is is Noah Syndergaard is not going to Houston that's what you're <laughs> no I mean, <laughs> he's maybe not a good example because the Mets are competing but even yeah I just was thinking of one of the dominant pitchers in the game right now so and you know a big thing we talked about Strasburg's contract you know recently about getting he was one of the few uh, free agent pitchers that were even going to be available this off season. Um, so the market is going to be even bare for that. So, I mean, it, it's leaves some teams kind of, kind of stuck. If you need pitching, you, uh, you know, maybe have to take a chance on a, a Midland guy and, and hope that he, he turns it around. You know, you got, I think Rich Hill is maybe another guy who's having a really good year, but he's, he's older kind of came back out of nowhere last year, so he doesn't have a, a huge track record. That could be a guy that someone trades for, and you just hope that he um, keeps putting it together. Um, and it's not just a fluke, but then again, I mean, the A's just aren't, well, in a seller's market, they're not just going to give him away for free. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, pitching-wise, what happens in the next three weeks. I think you'll see a lot more position guys go, but... I mean, it just goes to show, you know, you, the whole adage of you can't have enough pitching. The, the Reds always say that, and it's kind of infuriating sometimes because it feels like we have 15 starting pitching prospects right now. But, you know, pitching is very volatile. It's very risky. Guys get hurt. They don't pan out. Some guys go to the bullpen, and you um, you don't have as many legit starting pitching options as you think you do and I think a lot of teams are kind of realizing that at this time of year so so yeah we'll see we'll see what the Astros do that's what they need to do somehow but I don't know if it's going to be out there so we shall see indeed um some other guys to look out for Dansby Swanson best also on my fantasy team best name in the minors Dansby seriously Sounds like he should be sipping scotch and playing croquet. <laughs> and have a wicked southern accent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the uh, U.S. starting pitchers, Amir Garrett, uh, pitch, he's the, for the Reds, that's a guy that I have special interest in. Yeah, uh, hopefully he comes up, if not the end of this year, next year. Uh, some of the guys from the world team, um, Yon Mankata, which... He's the guy that the Red Sox signed for like $60 million a couple years ago, something outrageous like that. Uh, he, I think when all the updates come out, he'll probably be the top one or two prospect in all of baseball, second baseman for the Red Sox. So look out for him probably next year. they got to find a place to play him with Pedroia still there. Uh, Gary Sanchez for the Yankees, he's good hitting short or catcher again they have brian mccann so i'm not sure where he's going to be coming up but he should be up soon and then alex reyes started for them tonight he's pitcher for the cardinals he throws consistently 100 to 101 uh, with his fastball and he's they said he's got a really good curveball and change he's just really wild so they're saying that he he's the probably gonna be the top pitching prospect in all baseball once the, all the updates happen because um, he's got three really, really good pitches 
And he's a Cardinals pitcher, so of course he's got that devil's magic on him. So he'll be amazing, I'm sure. So, there, yeah, there's a lot of names on the list, the Perus, but, yeah, a lot of these guys should be in the majors, I would say. A few maybe this year, a few more next year, and then the year after that. So it's always kind of exciting to see what's up and coming and some of the futures, future stars of the game. All right, I have a question. There's a player on the world team named Tyler O'Neill. Is he Canadian? Yes, he's Canadian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like Yoan, Ramel, Manny, Yandi, Yandy. Jorge, Tyler O'Neill. It's yeah. like he's a he's a white guy. Where is he from? <laughs> Tyler O'Neill. Uh Josh Naylor is also Canadian. Alex Reyes was actually born in the US and moved his senior year of high school. I believed he moved to the Dominican with his grandmother. To basically, he did that to become a international free agent, so he could sign with whoever he wanted. And oh. I mean, it's strategic to do that because you get to choose the team, and then there's more of a demand, obviously, because it's a free agent market. So some guys can get more money that way than being drafted. Clever. So he's actually he's an American and speaks like perfect English, but because he was signed out of the Dominican, that's uh, why he's on the the world team. So interesting tidbit maybe that shrewd business move i like it yeah and now he's gonna yeah throwing throwing 100 mile an hour cheese and gonna be dominating i'm sure sooner rather than later all right so the all-star game is in a mere 48 hours if i'm correct yes they did not go with 100 percent with the teams that we chose unfortunately well, and they're the worse off for it, I say. Very foolish on their part. Now, so much so much injustice. Well, if you look at the well, we both agreed it was two episodes ago, it'd be episode thirteen when we did our all star picks. Um, we kind of agreed that the American League voting was pretty More on point, yeah. Yeah, pretty close to what we would to the point where the of the starting um fielders that were picked for the American League. The only ones that I chose that weren't starting were Miguel uh, Eric Hosmer starting over Miguel Cabrera. Obviously, I picked Cabrera over Hosmer because I'm a homer. But I still had <laughs> I still had Hosmer on the team because he deserves to be there. Absolutely. Right. Um, but Perez, Altuve, Machado, Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Mike Trout, I all picked to start because they deserve to. So the only two that I didn't pick to start, I don't. Did I pick Mookie Betts? I think I picked somebody else. But anyways, Eric Hosmer and Mookie Betts got the start at first in outfield. Um, and there were a few pitchers that made the American League roster that I did not pick, but I'm glad to see that Cole Hamels is there. I'm glad to see that Alex Colomay is there. Uh, I'm glad to see that Will Harris is there from Houston. Um, mm-hmm. Corey Kluber from Cleveland. So, like, there's a lot of guys. Jose Quintana, uh, Andrew Miller I picked to be on the roster, Chris Sale. Um, uh, I... Carlos Beltran made the roster, which I did not put as a starter, but I thought he deserves to be there as well. So overall, uh, Ian Desmond, that's who I had starting was Ian Desmond in the outfield over Mookie Betts. Yeah. But like Francisco Lindor made the team. Steven Vaught made the team, which I thought was a good pick. Um, overall, with the the American League roster, there were not any like 
unless I'm missing something, there was no like, oh my God, how is he not on the team type of situations. Um, now, certainly there are players that deserve to be there that didn't make it, but in my estimation, none that just seem absolutely atrocious. But correct me if I'm wrong. Speaking of the American League only. Yeah, you. I think the American League was much more on point. I So, so the National League starters, Buster Posey, Catcher, Anthony Rizzo first, Ben Zobra second, Chris Bryant third, Addison Russell short. So oh, all this Cubs, is this is why you're pissed. All Cubs in the infield, which is just outrageous, just so dumb. And then oh, we got another one in the outfield, Dexter Fowler, but he's yeah. hurt, so thankfully he's not playing. You want Cespedes and Bryce Harper. So I believe that I chose uh, none of those guys. Yeah, you were you were especially. You said that if Ben Zobras and Addison Russell made the All Star team, that it would be an absolute catastrophe. And not only did they make the team, they're starting. Yeah, which, you know, Zobras is having a great year, so that's not as big. Of, I mean, I'm more annoyed by Addison Russell than anything, just because he doesn't deserve to be on there. There are at least three other guys that are deserving. Daniel Murphy, a second's the reason why it's kind of outrageous because of how well he's hitting on a first-place team. Yeah. Um, he at least know, made the team, but, yeah, he should be starting Bryant, for sure. Bryant should be on the team, but he should not be starting. It should be Nolan Arenado. He's got better stats than all of them, and he's a better fielder. Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt and Rizzo, that's a toss-up. I'm not going to lose sleep over that one. And Ramos and Posey as well. Um... But yeah, I was a little, little disappointed. You know, a lot of those stud pitchers that I wanted got on there. The final boss did not make it, unfortunately. <laughs> that would have been a cool story. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, Bartolo Colon made it though. Tune in to yeah, I don't know how that happened. Tune in to the All Star game so you can watch the Cubs play the American League. <laughs> we'll see how that goes (laughs) oh you sound so jaded i love it i love it the cubs that uh, got uh beat by the reds two out of three at wrigley suck it and uh (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the first time i've said that on the mendoza line it's okay i liked it they've uh yeah they're they're really struggling they i think they lost nine out of ten at one point Got swept by the Mets, I believe, and got beat two out of three from the Reds. Lost the uh, makeup game to the Braves, and then lost two out of three to the Pirates. Yeah, so, they're uh, two and eight in their last ten, so they're kind of in a slump. That right now. massive lead that they have is down to, I believe, six. I think the Pirates are six and a half back, and the Cardinals are seven. And you could argue that both of those teams have not played very well, so that it's. It's going to be a much more interesting second half than I initially thought it would be because of this uh, more mortal uh, mortality. What's the word I'm looking for? The humanness of the Cubs. Is, they are definitely beatable. The, yeah. uh, the injuries have kind of crept in. Their pitching staff is old, and it's starting to show. Uh, Arietta is even he's, – his command has not been very good. He's been getting beat. Luster has been getting lit up, Lackey as well. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe it's all not all wrapped up in a bow like we thought it was. 
Is the sky falling, Nick? No, I I mean, the Cubs, it's so like, they've always been the Cubbies, like Cubs going to Cub, the lovable losers. And now the competitive juices within me, like seeing them do well, I'm, I'm starting to really not like them and ruining against them. So I'm, it does my heart a little good to see them struggle because some some Cubs fans are getting a little too comfortable and outspoken uh, for my taste. So, and I, I'm all for a more competitive division than a team running away with a double-digit game lead in the second half. So, the uh, my Reds actually got two All Stars on the team this year: Jay Bruce and Adam Duvall, who are. I, I did pick Jay to start. <clears throat> um, he made it as an injury replacement, but both guys that are slugging, slugging percentages in the top five for their positions, definitely deserving uh, to be on the team. So it's not one of those situations where they just got one. They actually got two, which is going to be fun to see. But, yeah, All-Star game's coming up. We'll, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I... Because the National League is all basically one team, I I feel like the American League has a lot more talent than the National League does. So that's my prediction as to who will win. Mm-hmm. All right. So well, hopefully I don't I, I don't sound too bitter, but I am a little bit. I'll admit. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. All right. Shall we move on to our main topic, Nick? Sounds good. Our main topic this week is chosen by yours truly, and it is baseball aesthetics. Things that make baseball pretty, namely jerseys and hats. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by this one. I I will admit I haven't put a ton of thought into uh, jerseys and hats. I have my own opinions on on the Reds jerseys and hats, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, okay, so here's here's what listeners should know and what Nicholas already does know is that I am a huge sports aesthetics nerd when it comes to the way your jerseys look, the way that they're designed, the colors that you choose, the typography that you choose for names and numbers and logos and, and all of that. And so it's it's of no surprise that my favorite football team out besides the University of Michigan is the Oregon Ducks because from aesthetics point, they're amazing. They have all matte helmets and when There's the something. light when the light hits their helmets just right the wings light up on the helmet because they're the only non-matte part of the helmet. So they have those all-black helmets, you know? And the light hits them just right and the wings turn white. It's just genius. It's incredible. Does it help them play better? Uh, Absolutely not, but they look really good. So, you know, I imagine if you're like, you know, Washington State and you already know that Oregon's better than you, then you look across, you're like, dang, those jerseys are awesome. And you look down, you're like, oh, we're silver and maroon and we have a WSU that makes a cougar body. Blah. So, I got to imagine there's there's some some, some psychology going into that. Um, what do you do to make a duck sound ferocious? You know, cause... well, it's not even ferocious. It's just like 
I've seen a lot of ducks around, and yeah, I don't, I don't get. No, there's, the... there's nothing ferocious about the ducks' uniforms. They, they look fast. You know, you know, you know that they're fast because they've proven it over the last decade that they have incredible team speed, and they're only getting faster. Their problem has always been their size. They're undersized on the on the offensive line, but you look at the the Oregon uniforms and they look fast. And it's look you know play, it ha- look good, play good. Exactly. That's you know. So you probably love that classic Detroit D. Oh, the D- Detroit's home jerseys are great. They're as minimal as you can get. All white with a black D on the chest and then a really legible name and number on the back. What sucks about the Tigers are their road jerseys. Yeah, they put that orange in there and yeah, they're. I think they're one of the only sports teams that has a color, a major color present on their road jersey that's nowhere to be found on their home jersey. They're just because at home they're white and black, but on the road they're gray, navy, blue, and orange, which mm-hmm. is like very European soccer of them to just have a random road jersey. But it's super confusing as a kid because mm-hmm. you're like, I thought the Tigers were black and white. What's this blue and orange hat that you gave me? I don't want this. The Tigers are like it's just. I, their home jerseys are are near baseball perfection because your home jersey in baseball is always white. You have no choice. Like that's just what you do, you know. Especially if you're a team as old as the Tigers, or the Reds, or the Red Sox, or the Yankees. You know, if you want to mix it up, you put pinstripes on there. But um, I think what's what's interesting about baseball is you have teams like. The Tigers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants that have these just classic jerseys that probably haven't been touched in decades. Yeah, I I love the Dodgers jerseys. And they look great, and they have this timelessness to them. But in the same league, you got teams like the Rockies and the Marlins and... Uh, you know, the previous Astros jerseys that are trying to do these like really modern, uh, bright colored, uh, you know, big logo designs. And you place that against, you know, a classic jersey like the Giants or the Dodgers or the Tigers or the Yankees. And you're like, you're trying way too hard. Yeah, the Marlins are trying way too hard to be Marine, like Marine and Miami. It's kind of, yeah, I, I agree with you. A little obnoxious. Like I, I like the fact that the Marlins have embraced the the culture of Miami in their color scheme. And I and I get that they're trying to match the vibrancy and the culture and the sort of rhythm of the city, but I just feel like they tried way too hard yeah. with their with their new stuff. Um so anyways, so so baseball aesthetics is just the the study of why certain things in baseball look better than others. For example, do you remember those uh, old um, all-star, like futuristic baseball jerseys from the 90s, like the Larry Walker Colorado Rockies? I'll have to find a photo. Yo, yeah, I'll have to say that. I mean, I don't remember those. Um, but why don't you tell me about what your favorite jersey is, and I'll look up that photo while you're doing that. Well, I was just thinking you should um, you should look up as well. The Pirates did some throwbacks today. And their old-fashioned pirate hats are pretty sweet, I'll have to admit. Um, they've got the lines going horizontally uh, up up through the hat, like in the bill. Like, it's very unique. You never really see that. But 
they're really sweet hats. They look really old school. Um, and if I was a Pirates fan, I would definitely want to get one of those. But the uh, yeah, I, I love the Tigers hat. The the old school D font. Uh, their home jersey, their the home one is is a great hat. I obviously the the Reds is very simple as well. The old fashioned C with the all red. We're not I, talking hats, Nick. Jerseys, hats is next. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, but I mean, jer- I mean, they they go with the jerseys. I know, but you can. We're breaking it down. We got a, we got time to fill here. Well, they do. The Reds, they don't. I mean, they wear the all white, but they on Sundays they wear all red um, jerseys, and I, I think that looks really good. Um, I mean, just the. The classicness of the uh, yeah the Yankees jerseys the pinstripes, um, it that's tough to beat. Um, the the Tigers all whites are great, but the the Dodgers might be my favorite. Just blue is my favorite color, so that that element of it, and then I don't know the red lettering just goes so perfectly with it. Um, the the and the Dodgers symbol. It's just that's it's such a classic logo. It, the white um, with the blue, I can just imagine like on a on a summer day, with the sunlight with the green, um, complementing it. That's that might be my favorite current and old jersey. Those those classic Dodgers home ones. Um, yeah, the uh, they're sharp. The red, the red number really does pop quite nicely and they're blue it's so american too yeah well yeah and and their blue is a lot more subdued than the cubs blue mm-hmm. like the cubs are bright red and bright blue and they're very vibrant whereas the dodgers the saturation on the blue and the red is a little bit more subdued and it just seems to it's just it seems understated whereas the cubs seems a little more in your face and that's what I, that's what i really like about it and speaking of you know complimentary i love when the dodgers and reds play each other just that blue and the red um scoring off i I don't know what it is but i just think it really complements each other well and i mean they they had a big uh, big rivalry when they were in the same division in the 90s it's kind of funny because the reds were in the west when the national league was just two divisions but maybe it's that kind of that rivalry growing up, but just the the red and blue um, on the same field together. I think that's pretty cool. Definitely. All right. So my favorite jersey. Hmm. I'm trying not to pick the Tigers just because I realize I do that all the time. But you know I am biased when it comes to that. Um, I will say the Dodgers have really good jerseys. I actually really enjoy the Pirates jerseys. Black and yellow to me is a great combination. I've just always enjoyed it. Um, not black and gold, black and yellow. Black and gold reminds me of the Pittsburgh Penguins. It makes me want to vomit. But black and gold is is just a, um, especially if it's if it's not a true black. If it's just like a slightly lighter black, like a really like a charcoal or a even, you know, darker shade of gray with mm-hmm. a nice strong yellow. Um, and I like the P that the old, the, the simplified old English P that Pittsburgh uses. Um, 
I, I don't like it when they wear their pinstripe pants. I don't know if they have those anymore. I think they did for a while with like the yellow pinstripes. Um, but the all black jersey with the yellow trim and the yellow P in the in the yellow font, I I find quite appealing. Um, so that would be that would be a one pick that I would have. That's not. I also really really like the San Francisco Giants jerseys. Like they don't they don't have their names on the back of their home jerseys, which I think is a tribute to you know olden days. They've got the the classic SF logo. Um, and their orange is not obnoxious. It actually goes really well with the black. And their jerseys are just so simple. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, as much as I don't like the San Francisco Giants because of their success, I think their jerseys are just. And the fact that they went with black numbers with the orange trim is again just another subtle move of like we not, we're not going to abuse the orange. We're gonna we're gonna let the orange do what it does, which is accent. So we're going to have black black numbers with orange trim as opposed to vice versa, which would be obnoxious. So I would I would say Pirates and, and Giants are my my favorite that, you know, after the Tigers. So I think we um, we we've come to our, we appreciate the classic jerseys of the teams that have been around and kept it simple. Reminds me a lot. I mean, those. Those are teams that a lot of a lot of times on Little League. Those are the the teams' jerseys that you use, and I yeah I think uh, I see those teams play. And I remember in you know Little League when the Giants would play the Dodgers or the Reds would play the Pirates, um, and there's the classic those classic hats and jerseys that go together so well, and they're I think they're timeless. You know I hope they never change those uh, those logos or those just the basic color schemes and stuff, but. Yeah, because it's just so classic and timeless. Yeah, uh, real quick, least favorite jersey. Let's not spend a lot of time here. I want to be positive, but we got to have yeah. a least favorite. Oh gosh, um, do you have one off the top of your head? Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> you just hate the Phillies. I but I have legitimate reasons for hating them. Yeah. Like it's not just some you know uh unreasonable vendetta. It is okay, pinstripes are pinstripes are tricky. And I think the only teams that do them well are the Cubs and the Yankees. I think the Mets pinstripes stink and I think the Phillies pinstripes stink. Because I just it doesn't the orange the blue and the orange combo is okay, but when you're the other team in New York, do you really want to do pinstripes on your home jersey too? It just seems a bit like you're trying to be like the other guys. Mm-hmm. Be different. Embrace the fact that you're not the Yankees. Don't do pinstripes. But for me, the reason I don't like the Phillies jerseys is the pinstripes are bright red, and so they always seem too thin. Like, red is such a bright, attention-catching color. I'm like, why is there a bunch of red spread out? Why not Why not concentrate it? Plus, the font they use for their logo is dumb. They have blue stars above the eyes instead of red circles. Like, it, it just, everything about it says, like, design student in college trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I immediately thought I I know what my least favorite jersey is now. 
Have you seen the Diamondbacks New jerseys this year? The gray ones? Just all of them. I hate their jerseys. <laughs> yeah. They're awful. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty bad. They've always been bad. Remember when, remember when they were like teal instead of that yeah. burnt red? Yeah. They've got like three diff- three or four different kinds, but I hate all of them. Those dark mm. like charcoal ones. Yeah, that, that's the one I'm looking at. The the all star oh. picture of Paul Goldschmidt and like the oh. the the uh the last name is outlined in like a turquoise and the number it's, is outlined in that burnt red. They're so bad. And there's like this like wannabe carbon fiber pattern. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. I'll I'll give you that one. That would be if my team changed the uh, that's like and then play like that that's like change teams worthy right there. Like have yeah, to watch they're, that. They're they're definitely the Minnesota Wild of the Major League Baseball Association. <laughs> nice hockey reference. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this is also the second episode in a row where I've said the Major League Baseball. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> but yeah, that, I've actually thought about this year how much I hate those jerseys. So I just I had to remember that. But okay, I will say this: the the other team that pinstripes do work for is the Rockies. I will put them on the good side of pinstripes. Yeah, I, and I just saw that picture you sent. Those were some interesting jerseys. Those futuristic yeah. ones. They will be in the show notes because not only are they atrocious, but uh, Larry Walker is rocking a killer Fu Manchu. Yeah, and mullet. But yeah, that's not that's... really what jerseys look like nowadays. So the they no. Nope. And is that is that those. Carlos Guillen? Is that the other guy? Oh gosh, I don't even know. Well, he's wearing number nine, and he looks like Carlos Guillen. So I'm gonna go with it. It could be. All right, let's keep the show a rolling. All right, favorite hat, Nick. Um, I think, I mean, I kind of covered it. The, the home Tigers one and the home Reds one, which I own both of those, love those hats. As much as I don't like the Yankees, their, their, their hat's a pretty classic one as well. I don't know. I, there are very few hats I probably don't like. I, I, I'm a big hat person and I think most major league teams have really cool hats. So I don't know if that's a cop out answer, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. Well then I will do my favorite hat and I'm going to pull a fast one on you here. My favorite hat is not a major league baseball team. It's, it's a the Montgomery league. biscuits. It's the Montgomery biscuits. <laughs> yep. I didn't know minor league was in play. <laughs> I didn't tell you that on purpose because I wanted to be the guy that that got to minor leagues. Um, there are so many minor league hats that I want. Oh, but. they're amazing. There are the hard thing is they're hard to find, especially in my size. Yeah. Um. All right. So the Montgomery biscuits. Um, That's what we should do an episode soon of just our favorite minor league team. Names. Oh, first, yeah that that'll be episode that that's next episode I think unless something crazy happens. The red single A are the Tortugas, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and there's like the Steel Pigs. I mean, there's just the my, their new one this year is the Yard Goats. Oh my gosh, minor league baseball is just a treasure trove of comedy I, material. I so. love minor league baseball. I would. When I get older, I want to just travel the country and go to different minor league parks. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, it, it, it'd be so good. All right. Um, so the Montgomery Biscuits are a minor league affiliate of the Double uh, A Rays. Tampa, yeah, Tampa Bay Rays. And 
their uh, colors are a slightly dark royal blue. Not not anywhere near navy, but like take Kansas City Royals and tone it down just a hair. You get that blue. And then it's like a really like uh, strong like goldenrod yellow. So not not like Notre Dame or UCLA, more like um like the Sweden national team soccer jerseys. Wow, I just totally didn't help anyone with that because I'm not sure how many of our listeners know what that color is. Um Okay, University of Delaware. The mud hens. Or no, not the mud hens, just the what are they? Delaware. Um Gosh, I should know my Delaware history, but I don't. Well, anyways, they've got the same helmets as University of Michigan, and they're blue and yellow, but they're more of like a royal blue and yellow as opposed to maize and dark blue. Um, But very similar to the Delaware um, color scheme. And the hat is yellow, and the bill and the button on top are that blue, and their logo is a biscuit with eyes, and the biscuit is cut in half with a mouth and its tongue is a chunk of butter makes me hungry to think it is quite possibly the most ludicrous logo for a professional sports team and i love everything about it because like hey we're from montgomery we like biscuits and butter why don't we name our team that done okay what should our logo be how about a anthropomorphic biscuit with tongue for a butter for a tongue okay like it's just it's one of those it's so ridiculous it's amazing and i love it i love everything about it i guarantee you that's one of the more popular hats too because it's i own one and there was there was uh, a time back when i lived um south of chicago we went up to a uh Ray's White Sox game because Ben Zobrist spent his um first three years of college at Olivet Nazarene, which is in the town my wife grew up in. And so we had a friend who went to college with him, who was in Bible studies with him and everything. So whenever Zobrist was in town, he would come visit um or he would go up to the games. And so we all went up with him and we met Zobrist before the game and you know shook his hand and met him. Really nice guy. Uh got his autograph. So I had him sign my biscuits hat. And then John Jason was there back when he played for the Rays. And I was like, can I get your autograph? He's like, you know, I never played for the Biscuits, right? I was like, yeah, I know that. But you're here and I've already got one. So can you just sign it anyways? <laughs> I'm sure you've eaten a biscuit before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, it was it was pretty neat to meet those guys and, and be like, oh, my gosh, sign your minor league team hat, please. <laughs> nice. I uh, Yeah, there's a couple of minor league hats I've been wanting to buy that just haven't um they're they're reds affiliates but the uh the one's actually kind of cool it's the reds triple a they're louisville bats but they actually totally redid their jerseys this year and their hats have this really cool lb uh logo which is which is my wife's maiden name initials which i thought was pretty cool i was like should i get this hat because it has your initials on it so she thought that was a good idea so maybe i will Whatever it takes to make the wife happy, Nick. Exactly. All right, so now we're on to favorite alternate or throwback jerseys. Well, probably throwbacks. The just the ones that the first one on top of my head was those, the the old pirates ones that I was talking about that they wore today, um, with the the horizontal stripes on the hat. They just they look so cool. Those are some cool jerseys. 
And my favorite alternate, I I love camouflage. So when the the or the Padres, I think every Sunday or whatever they're home, they wear these camouflage alternates that are pretty cool. Those are probably the ones off the top of my head. All right. Well, I am scrolling through these jerseys here and really oh my gosh okay the um the Detroit Stars Negro League jerseys are awesome <laughs> they're uh pinstriped Detroit is written in red with a red star under it, but there's a blue stripe down the middle, so that R is in white, and the cap is all white with a red star. Really good looking. Um, the oh my gosh, a lot of these are atrocious. Yeah, so those are probably my favorite throwback jerseys. Um, I think one of my favorite alternate jerseys would be the Red Sox St. Patrick's Day spring training jerseys the green ones (laughs) those are fun yeah and obviously with Boston having such a large uh, you know Irish population um it 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 works you know quite well so um I would say those are my answer I like the Blues Jays jerseys too. Not just looking at them. I don't know why. They've they've changed. They've been relatively unchanged since they're coming into the league. I don't know. I like the font or the the numbers font on theirs. I don't know. But I mean, there's there are very few just atrocious jerseys nowadays. Most people know what they're doing, except for the Diamondbacks. Still know what they're doing. Yeah, we're just gonna we're not gonna put a link to that in the show notes because that would be that would just be mean. I don't want to do that to anybody. All right, so now that we've come to the end of our favorites, I just I want to ask a more philosophical question, if I may. I'm always ready for philosophy. Okay, why why is it why do you think aesthetics matter in sports or do they? I mean, I'm gonna I'm assuming they do. Uh, but I, I want to hear your thoughts on on like why teams have colors and why teams have different fonts. Like, why is it important for teams to have their own um, aesthetic identity? I feel like I feel like you're setting me up to respond and, and to wax poetic about what you. No, think. no, I'm. I have. I don't know what I'm gonna say. That's that's the beauty of this. This is this is ad. We're improv right now, Nick. So the philosophy of why you should have good jerseys. No, not even. Well, not even that. Just the concept of why even have jerseys that differentiate you from. Besides the obvious, we need to know who else is on our team, type of thing. But like, <laughs> we just spent you know forty minutes discussing our favorite jerseys and hats and throwbacks. So clearly, this stuff has an impact on people so i'm just curious why you think this matters and why you think there are some that we like better than others that's all i'm I'm, i swear i'm not setting you up for anything (laughs) i just genuinely want to know your opinion maybe it doesn't matter i don't know maybe maybe we should all wear the same 
similar colors, dark, and then other team lighter just to be able to differentiate. I don't know. I, I think, I mean, there's some artistic elements to that of on the, the color wheel, things that complement each other better than others. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we've some things that we've mentioned over and over again is the classic, the simplistic. I think that's at the end of the day, what is the most timeless and I think things that have stood the test of time which a lot of the logos and jerseys we've talked about have um so I think there's there's an element of value to that and that they have and that that's something that people can relate to now you know over spanning over multiple generations you know where you have Say my, you know, my grandfather, the the team that he maybe had rooted for was the, you know, dressing in a similar fashion to the team that is still playing today, which I think is really cool. So yeah, I think there's something just to that, the simplistic nature of it, which is maybe why I despise the the new Diamondback jerseys as much, just because there's so there's so many different textures and just weird colorations that I just don't understand and you know we talked about the Marlins and Rockies just the the purples and the neons just that don't seem to just maybe be as natural because I think you know when you think about baseball you think it's, it's a natural you play outside you're playing grass for the most part so some of the stadiums that I don't like are the ones that play with artificial turf that play in a dome just because it's not as natural it feels fake and I think some of those jerseys are the same way. Maybe the the less nature colors um, aren't as evident. I mean, the ones that we like, you know, you got your reds, your blues, your greens. Those are real colors that you see in nature. So I don't even, I just have coming off, coming up this off the top of my head. I don't know if it makes any sense, but maybe there's the, uh, there's an element to that of why people are drawn to those. No, you are correct, and that's the the psychology of art is just a field that kind of makes my head hurt. Um, but I think the the thing that you said that resonated the most with me was my grandpa was a fan of the same team, and the jerseys that the, they wore when he was watching and was my age are very, very similar to the jerseys that the current team is. And to me, that is why aesthetics and sports matters because the people that were watching Ty Cobb play for the Tigers and the people that are watching Miguel Cabrera play for the Tigers, the home jerseys are not that much different. The pants aren't as baggy. The shirts aren't as baggy. And, you know, they're not made out of wool anymore, but the all-white jersey with the black D on it is essentially untouched Mm -hmm. for over 100 years. And to me, that is incredible when when i can go back that far as a fan of a team and realize yeah our road jerseys suck they're just not good but the home jersey and the home hat has remained essentially untouched for that long it allows you to connect not only with a team but also to history simply through a simple identity of a white jersey with a black old English D on it. It's nothing mm-hmm. fancy, 
But because what we have latched onto that as what the Tigers look like, I can connect to the history of this team that goes back a really long time. And so to me, the aesthetics serve not only the team and the function of defining who's my teammate and who isn't, but also serve the fan base and the city as a way to visually lock in what it means to be a Tiger and a Tigers fan or a Red and a Reds fan or a Dodger and a Dodgers fan or, you know, so on and so forth for all the other teams in the league. It gives you a visual representation of the feeling you have when you're rooting for your team. And that's why I get so um, bent out of shape sometimes about sports aesthetics is because some teams are just doing it wrong. They're not giving their fans something to latch on to because they're changing every two years or what they're representing is garbage, like Washington State. No one wants to cheer for a team that looks like that. It's terrible. No, like The fact that the Phillies have fans is shocking to me. I know that they were good for a while, but their jerseys are so bad that I just can't even. Like, I can't even. So I, I think to me the if I can re reiterate here real quick before we, we close is that the reason that I care about sports aesthetics is because it communicates to the fans what the team represents. And that's why I think it's important because we can all rally behind one brand or logo or identity and go those are my guys or you know those are my women depending on the sport so um i think it's important for teams to have a strong aesthetic uh appeal and a strong aesthetic um what sort i'm looking for uh vision yeah so that fans can rally behind the team, not only for the performance and the personalities on the field of play, but also for what the team represents. It's very well said. I sure hope so. I don't really know where the last few minutes went. I kind of blacked <laughs> out. <laughs> hey, breaking uh, breaking news. Ooh, real-time uh, follow-up. Yeah, real-time follow-up. We have a current no-hitter going. What? Madison Bumgarner, it's the bottom of the seventh on Sunday Night Baseball. But he has, he's through seven, has 13 strikeouts, and the only only base runner was uh, because of an error in the field. Uh, so. E what? E2? Uh, I'm E9? Not sure. E9, I think, but yeah, that's been the only blemish. So he's, Oh, man, that guy's going to owe Madison Bumgarner some money after the game. Just six outs, six outs from it, so we'll see if that happens or not, but. Stay tuned. All right, Cam. Good show. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure as always. We will be back next week with... Are we going to do the minor league show next week? I think it'll be good. There will only be a few games because of the break. So Yeah, uh, we can we can recap the All-Star game and then dive into minor league baseball. Oh, that sea of fun logos. I can't wait. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, we'll be back next week. Oh, but also, if you want to check the show notes out, I almost totally forgot about this. You can go to supermegacorp.net slash Mendoza slash 15 and 
links to all of the fun stuff that we talked about in this episode will be there, like all of the jerseys, all of the hats. If you want to see those atrocious Colorado Rockies futuristic jerseys, they'll be in the show notes. <laughs> but uh, I think yeah, that's avert it. Avert your eyes if possible. <laughs> Don't click on that link, yes. All right, well, we will be back next week. See you later, Nick. Yeah, thanks for listening.